welcome to the Wilco Podcast. Worship Leaders Collective is a worship community of over 32,000 worship leaders from 99 countries around the world. You can check us out online at worshipleaderscollective.com or type in Worship Leaders Collective on Facebook to get connected for free today. Our hope is to help equip you with the tools and resources you need so that you can be who God's called you to be and do what he's called you to do. You've been called for such a time as this. Listen up as we dive into another episode of the Wilco Podcast. Hey, y'all. Welcome to the Wilco Podcast. My name is Jenny McGrew. We have another exciting episode for you guys today. Um, On our show today, we have a good friend of ours, his name is David Spasado. He's a producer in McKinney, Texas. Uh, he also is a producer for Covenant Church and Covenant Worship. You might have heard of them. They are located in Dallas, Texas, uh, one church with multiple locations. Oh, he just, he loves God and he just loves people so so much. So we're just so blessed to have him here today. How we heard of David and how we met David was a few years ago on Wilco. He wrote a post that inspired today's episode. So I don't want to give that away. Stay tuned. Get ready to be blessed. If you're a songwriter, if you're an aspiring songwriter, I really believe that today is going to encourage you big time. We love you guys. If you ever have any questions or things that you would like to see on this podcast, shoot us a message at hello at worshipleaderscollective.com. We would totally love to hear from you. Stay tuned. Hey guys. Uh, We are so excited for another episode of the Vocal Podcast uh, today. I always say we have a very special guest. I feel like I'm saying that every week. Um, Today though really is a favorite of mine. Um, he's been, uh, he's become a really good friend of my husband and I, uh, his name is David Spasado. David, you want to say hi? He hails from Texas and we're just really pumped that he's with us today. Um, but before he shares, I want to give a bit of a background of him and I'm actually going to give your official bio that we actually added on Wilco. This was a few years ago (laughs) and maybe. There's no way I wrote this, man. So you must have said this. But it says David Spasado is a producer writer out of Dallas, Texas, who has helped uh, artists accumulate a combined 50 plus million plays with music that spans over 30 countries. You're a big deal. Is that like 100 million now? Uh, On top of producing, he travels with his favorite artist and is on staff at his home church, Covenant Church. As one of their producers and music directors, David just loves people and wants to see them accomplish their dream for music. Another thing that he didn't write on there is that he frequently travels with uh, Nicole and David Binion as their bass player and as one of their really good friends. And I'm sure you guys are a lot more like family than just friends. So we're just really honored to have you here with us today. And um, how I met David actually was a really interesting way of meeting someone. And uh, he was part of the Wilco community. I wasn't aware that you were part of it at the time, obviously, but he wrote this very polarizing, captivating, arresting post. And the title of it was Right Bad Songs. And I'm like, okay, you kind of had me at the bad songs part. 
And, you know, it was just such an incredible post. I just, you know, I read word after word and I was like, this is the stuff. It was a very popular post in our community. And um, so I had just tapped David a few weeks ago and just said, hey, what do you think about being on the podcast? And we were going to talk about production stuff. And then wrote him a few days ago. I was like, hey, um, what about talking about writing bad songs? And I just feel like there's a lot of you songwriters out there a lot of you aspiring songwriters, perhaps amateur writers, or, you know, even maybe not amateur, you've been doing this a long time. You've written that hit song and you just can't hit it again. You feel like you can't hit it again. And um, it's stopping you. It's impeding you from writing songs. And I know David just has such a heart to encourage people uh, with his story, which he's going to share in a moment here, but just encourage uh, others like yourself with just that heart of, hey, use what you got for the glory of God. You have a lot more inside of you than you think, and you're going to go farther than you think you can with the right people. Amen. It's all about being surrounded by the right people. So David, I'm going to give you a little bit of the floor and um, thanks for being with us today. Uh, your, family, your church, 
I got to hang out with you guys a month or two back. And uh, anyways, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's so good. Can't wait to have you over at the house. Woo. David's been getting the uh, uh, invite up to his friend's church to play bass frequently up here in the PNW. Um, we're located in Canada, so it's just a hop, skip, and jump over the border. So, yeah, we're looking forward to getting you back up here to the PNW and showing you all the things. Um, but I want to read a little bit of the write-up that you did a few years ago. And on the writing bad songs, and hopefully I don't steal any of your thunder, but, you know, it could give us a platform to spring off of today. And he, he started by saying this, I want to take all the pressure off you writers out there. Write bad songs, and you capitalize bad. Write bad songs. The ones with no hook, boring melodies, and lyrics that don't make sense. Perfection is not, capital N-O-T, a gift, and it's not your friend. I love that. Perfection is not a gift, and it's not your friend. It's a handicapped. And while you're over here trying to write the perfect song, the other guy slash girl has written 15 average at best songs, but they're getting in rep after rep after rep. I had a mentor that used to say, quantity finds quality. Throw that up on your vision board or bathroom mirror. Drop the perfection and be excellent. Get in all the reps. It'll get you to the good ones sooner. I guarantee if you can keep doing that for long enough, you're going to find some people who can help you where you have uh, where you have gaps. You don't have to do it alone, nor should you. Something that takes a lot of us a while to figure out. So you said a lot in there. You said a lot in there. But perhaps there was something in there that pricked you. Um, you know, there's a couple of things that pricked me. But I love that perfection is not a gift. It's not. It's not, and it's holding so many people back. Yeah. You want to add to that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're interviewing you today. <laughs> We're interviewing you today. <laughs> so, if you could uh, just zoom out, this entire message is really just about two things it's about getting in all the reps. Um, and it's about taking the pressure off. Um, any coach will tell you in a gym, the person who does the most reps wins. That's And that's not something that's like life-changing. Um, but it's like even, so I'm a, I'm a big fan of, uh, like I've read a bunch of sales books and what I do. And so like there's this whole um, idea of, this being a numbers game. So it's like the more reps you do, of course, the better you can get at this. It's like, for example, there's a, one of my favorite communicators of all time talks about this idea as in, if you and I are in a competition and say we're selling pens, I don't know, ideally they said they're more expensive because we'd make more money doing that. Um, but it, Jenny, you are extremely good at what you do. And for every 10 people, um, nine people bought what you're selling. That's like a really good average. You have like a 90% close ratio. And let's say uh, people don't like me as much for whatever reason. I talk funny. I've got a big personality. For every 
10 people I talked to, um, only one person said yes. You are obviously much better at selling than I am. Um, so you could talk to 10 people and get nine. And how did to talk to, let's see, 90 people to get nine. Mm -hmm. so, um, but like, let's say you talked to 100 people and got 90. And I talked to um, 2,000 people. sales i don't want to butcher this i've got more sales by just getting through more numbers so the idea of writing bad songs is like it's saying like dude just show up and like do the thing without all the pressure of like saying i've got to be really good at this for every 10 songs i write nine have to be really good so no just show up and like get the work in and like take the pressure off it's basically what that's saying yeah, totally. And it's, I think it's hemming in a lot of people and it's holding them back. And really, I dare say the enemy's using it as a tool just to, you know, stop the songs that are, you know, that God has for the body of Christ to encourage them, to help propel them forward. I was just watching um, Ray Hughes. We're going to have Ray. He's going to be teaching a Wilco class in October. And if anybody knows Ray Hughes, he's amazing. Teaches at Bethel. He's phenomenal storyteller. He knows history like nobody knows history. And uh, we actually went to Ireland with him a few years ago and we wrote music. So it was just uh, an amazing time together. But he was talking and he was encouraging songwriters this week. And he was reminding songwriters that you are going to be writing the songs for the next generation. You are actually writing songs that are gonna lay the foundation and help push the next generation forward, you know? Um, say like, open the eyes of my heart, Lord. You know, that song actually is getting some traction again. And I shouldn't say actually, cause I'm thinking about doing a cover of it for Wilco, you know? But that song, like those songs were pioneers that helped accelerate things forward, you know, that we were singing to help propel us into our future. Um, but, you know, I know all these people, whether it would be, you know, who are some amazing songwriters in our time? Paul Blosh, you know, because he wrote Open the Eyes of My Heart, Lord. Um, oh, who else are some amazing songwriters that we have right now? Um, yeah, I was just going to say that. Yeah, I was just going to say like the Davids, you know, we all know the great songwriters, you know, say Stephen Furtick, you know. Um, like we were even talking that about elevation, you know, worship, you know, and, and their, their first albums. And some of you might not have even heard them. Like, you know, I want to say they're great. So I want to give honor to our honors too, but it wasn't like what's coming out now, you know, but they had to start and, um, you know, and you've got to just stick with it. You got to stick with it and you've got to stay at it. You know, you, you were talking about the, um, you're talking about sales and I think you were talking about the gym. I know you like to work out and I like to work out too, but you just got to stick with it. You just got to stay at it, you know, and, and where there's desire, you just have to keep nurturing that desire each and every day. So what's a practical tip that you would tell songwriters? Um, like how many songs, like if someone's starting to write or someone's writing music, how many songs a week do you think they should be writing? And maybe that's that's not fair to put a number on it, but you know, it's it's the whole quantity, right? 
Right. I don't, I don't feel like that's crazy. I don't feel like that's small or big. I think that's maybe average. Um, but the interesting part is when you put the adjective bad in front of it, I feel like it's easier to show up when you when you say write the bad song. Because if you say write a great song every week, um, you, may, you probably never finish the song each week. Right. So if we come into this, we're just gonna write a bad song. I don't care, like how much this thing sucks, stinks. Sorry. No, it's fine. But at the end of the year, you're kidding me. You got 52 songs. Right. I guarantee, even if you're going into saying we're gonna write 52 bad songs, you're gonna come out with some really good songs out of that 52. It just it has to. The numbers work. Right. Right. Totally. I um. I sent you that song yesterday. I was like, hey, what do you think about that lyric? Or like, I'm trying to like, you know, and I wrote that in like two minutes, you know? So like, by no means is it done, you know? Like you got the, because you're my friend and I trust you and I'm not really, you know, whatever, we're friends, you know? Like, whatever. I know you're not gonna hold it against me if it's like, wow, it's really, <laughs> you know? Um, but it was just kind of like, hey, is it great, you know, grace and pain or great and grace? Like you just give me some help here. So I actually did something very brave, very brave and uh, bearing my own soul. So for all you songwriters, like one of the things that can be very hard is like showing someone your song or the first time you sing, you try the song in your church to see if it stands, you know, and oh, it's like bearing your soul like no other, you know, but you've just got to be humble enough and you got to just lay that whole perfectionism down because that's not what it's about at all. You know, you got to really be settled on your why. Like, what are we writing these songs for? In the context of worship, we're writing these songs to, you know, help write the stories of our church, help propel the message of the gospel forward, help to encourage people in the body. But I would tell you guys, like, write for your house. Quit trying to write a song that the whole world will sing. If the whole world will sing it, you know, cool. Like, let, let God take your song there. But if that's your why, we're going to struggle achieving that mark, um, you know, because I don't think that should ever be the why that should ever be the why, you know, first and foremost, we're here to exalt the name of Jesus, you know, and, and just practically just, just write for your house, you know, and I'm sure you find this at covenant, like, like nobody sings, like your church probably sings their music the loudest. I'm sure you just start rallying around that anthem. Um, but I, I, rabbit trail there but just to go back so that song I sent it to John Egan yesterday <laughs> I uh, John's a friend of mine and I was like you know he sent me songs before so you know that he's written and I said hey can I send you some lyrics that I just wrote today and I got the message back heck yeah with an exclamation mark you know so um I, I wrote them back later so you know I sent it to him late last night so yeah, I'm sure. You know, and that's just tough. But, you know, when you write a song, I'd encourage you, like, would you encourage people, David, to send it to people? Absolutely. Like, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, the, I think the special sauce is in the collaboration. Right. Yeah. You want to add, just add a little bit to that? The special sauce is yeah. collaboration. I mean, there's, there are songs that we've, um, that we've written in our house um, that they weren't really a great song until they were shared with one of the mm. other writers in the house. And like without going through like specific examples, because you probably wouldn't even know the song. 
songs that were written together. So like just for um, like background, almost every year we do a songwriting retreat with our worship leaders at our church. We invite um, maybe a few of our musicians, a few of our youth and our worship leaders from other campuses. And we just take two days and we do a bunch of sessions of writing. Mm-hmm. Don't, hey, no pressure, just get in there, work together, just like no stones, just be vulnerable, work together, encourage each other. Um, but just like you were saying, like, I couldn't tell you how many people from our church, from our own house, have come up to some of our worship leaders and said, I was in the hospital with my wife who was diagnosed with cancer. Mm. And we've been singing the words of her. God is always good. God is always good. What I see in the mountain is what I'll see in the back. God is always good. It's like, they, like of course, like everybody wants to write a song. Be like, that'd be cool if they were singing this in, in Spain, if they were singing this in China. Come on, right. man. Like, we got to touch the people who we can in our circle, like, right. in our community, in our city. And I'm like, instead of God wants to do that, awesome. If not, awesome. But right. we're, we're primarily writing um, one to track the presence of God, but two as a resource to our house. Yeah. Yeah. So good. So, so good. Um, and he's again, you guys, David is part of Covenant Church in, I want to say Dallas, but you're at McKinney, right? Are you in McKinney or are you in the Dallas campus? I live right north of McKinney. Right. Central Campus, which is in Carrollton, which right. you live here, like you don't know where that is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's big. It's big. Yeah, it's big. So I know one of the questions I get a lot is, how do I know when I've written this song? And, and let's keep this in context with the local church, okay? How do I know if this song is just for me or like for Jesus and me? I call it Jesus and me. That was one of the things I sent to John. I said, this could just be a Jesus in me song, you know, and that's great, you know, and that's good. And that's enough. I want to say that. And that's enough. If it's just a Jesus in me song, like that's enough. That's more than enough. And you're, and I hope songwriters are writing much more of those than all of the other stuff. Because if, if our stuff is not rooted in that relationship with Christ and those, just those intimate moments of just Jesus, then, you know, where are we writing from? You know, what place are we actually writing from? But how, just some practical advice that you might have. How does someone know if the song is just for them, say like Jesus, or for their church? Yeah. Is there like a measuring stick for that? So I don't know what you're asking, but I feel like it's important to say this. Um, working at a church, we are submitted to our leadership. So when we are writing, Mm-hmm. Your pastor is going to have something to say about the churches that are sung in the house, and they and they should. Um, so if your pastor is telling you, "Hey, I don't think this is a song for the corporate body of Christ," then that's our responsibility as um, people that are submitted to come into agreement with that. Right. And maybe mm-hmm. we do that on a personal project or somewhere else. Um, so that's. I think the most important, but two, I would say, um, usually corporate worship is not just talking about our pain from the platform. A lot of times it's 
this situation. I feel this, I feel that. My life is going down. You know, we look to the Bible to say, what is God saying about this? And we declare things over those um, to the body or to Jesus, more vertical. Um, yeah. Right. And with that process, like how long has your church been writing music, would you say? So I've been at Covenant for, I'm usually really good at counting, since I was 15 and I'm 33. Wow. Carry the one. That's 18 years. Carry the one. Um, and our church was releasing music even before I was became a member there. So I was at least 20 years. I will say that. So Dave and Nicole, who I travel with, um, now I feel like it really became a house where that was like central to what we did. Um, this is when we started doing a lot of the writing and recording of albums and right. Yeah. So was there was there a day like I can remember a season years ago because I things I haven't told you yet, but I recorded my share of music. I just haven't told you that. I don't, it's not something that I talk about because I just laid a lot of that down just to help build the local church, you know, just pastorally. Um, but I can remember saying to our worship team, and this was when we lived on Vancouver Island. Okay. So I think you've probably heard of that, but just think Seattle, think of Barry, think the island, you know, across there. And um, I remember showing up on a Monday night. We had practices on Monday night at the time. And I said, okay. We're going to start writing our own music, you know, and it was just as simple as that. And I said, as a worship pastor here, I know that there's a call on this church to write, you know, my, pa my pastors were my in-laws. So, you know, it's something that we had had a lot of conversations about. So, you know, just to, just to connect with your thought on, you know, submitting to your leadership, that's very important. So, so important. And their agreement, like, yes, like this is the time to begin writing music. And it was just like this line I had to draw with the team. It wasn't just this line I drew personally, but I had to say it publicly to the team and just saying, this is who we are. This is what we're going to do. Now, what I didn't say was we're only going to, we're going to write our own music. We're only going to sing our own music. We're going to become like this inbred church of like just us four and no more, you know? And, you know, it's good to sing a lot of your own stuff, but I don't think we should be so high-minded that, you know, an elitist that we're against, you know, or we're above singing other people's music, you know? Um, but I'll tell you one thing, like when we drew that line that night, when that line was drawn, we saw song after song after song. It was like suddenly the floodgates of just writing music just opened and the church was never the same. It, it was never the same. And then just that season, you know, it was three years that we were at that church, that season of being there, um, was just so extraordinary and so beautiful, you know, and just to encourage songwriters today, if you could see what was on the other side of those songs that God has put in you, that might be in seed form, that might even be in conception form inside of you that you're not even aware of, you, you haven't birthed them out yet, you haven't written them out yet, but if you could see the joy, if you could see the freedom, if you could see the addictions you know, being broken off people's lives, you know, if you could see marriages being restored, if you could see prodigals coming home, 
if you could see people getting set free, all those things, on the other side of declaring that music, you would begin to get to your instrument today, or if you don't play an instrument, you'd get your notebook out and just start writing right now, right now. And I, I feel so strongly that there's a clarion call in the heart of God to the creatives and to the writers, to the scribes, to write, to write, to declare, and into the future, um, the things that we see in our spirit that yet not have been, but to begin to, with those songs, carve pathways, like John the Baptist reiterated the Old Testament, prepare ye the way of the Lord. I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, you know, and so like you're encouraging all of us today, like write bad songs, write bad songs. And as we're writing them, there's going to be songs in there that are going to help carve pathways for the, for the church, the kingdom of God, to be able to walk more steadily ahead with hope, with life, with encouragement, you know, free from bondage, you know, to be able to walk into what God has for them, to their promised land, really. You know, and um, I pray in Jesus name that we would see that, that we would see this power, this, this power that's been put into us, this gift, if I can say it like that, power might be a weird word to some people, but this gift that God has given to so many of us within the body to write and to begin to help create pathways of grace and mercy for people to walk on. It's pretty powerful. When you, when, you know, when you just begin to like have a conversation and you're like, guys, do you see this? Do you actually see what God's put on the inside of you? You know, and then the writer writes and then the producer is like, okay, I'll produce that, you know, because you want people to hear it. You know, there's just something, you know, you know, it's not enough just to write it. Now it's like, how are people going to hear it? How are people going to hear it? You know, so that's a conversation for another day, but um, I just pray that we get, that we get a hold of this, this season, and we just begin to run and not run alone, but we begin to run together and just say, you know what, I'll help you. I'll help you. Yeah, I'll help you. You know, we've, we've got to help see this mission of God done in our lifetime. If God were to show us what the songs did before we wrote them, how quick would we get to work? You know, there's this, this saying that people say that the price is easy when the promise is clear. Mm. The, the problem is like we, we don't see the back half of the work, the, the seeds that we're sowing. The, the price is hard to pay when we're not sure what the payoff is. Right. And just like in the story of the, the sower and the seed, you know, so, mm -hmm. some, some seeds um, were taken by the birds. Others were uh, fell on ground and were scorched by the sun. And then some seeds fell and grew up with the thorns. And when the thorns grew mm -hmm. up, they choked them. But eventually the seeds fell on, on good ground. And, uh, it always does, eventually. Right. And, Sorry, go ahead. And that, no, and that's what you're talking about today. Like, scatter your seed. Just scatter it. Just scatter it. Scatter it on the ground. Scatter it all the, all around and that seed being the gift that God put in you to write music, 
just write it and just be faithful. I can remember the Lord saying to me years ago, he said, I'm not going to give you another song until you sing that song, that last song that I gave you. (laughs) It was this clear. Now that was for me. That might resonate with some other people, but that was something the Lord gave to me. And it was, it was kind of like, you know, like manna from, you know, heaven with the children of Israel, you know, like you just like trusting the Lord for like your daily bread. And it was just like, okay. And then when I'd write that song and we'd sing it in church then I'd write another song and then he wouldn't give me another one until we produced, you know, or we did that next song, you know, and that whole faithfulness and just being consistent, like write the bad songs, but consistently write them consistently stay faithful at that. And you'll, you'll get, you're going to get, you know, can I say bangers? bangers. <laughs> can I say bangers? <laughs> People are like, what's that? She said a bad word. No, <laughs> means a good song, means a good one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was just going to add, uh, I think the most impressive part of the story of the sower and the seed is the part where it says that the sower kept on sowing. Yeah. I think a lot of people miss that part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think that's another word for the body of Christ right now. Like, just as you say that, um, I've been just sharing a lot out of, you know, you got to cast your bread upon the water. You just got to keep casting it. You know, we're not, we're not supposed to worry about whether what we do bears fruit or not. God just kept saying, keep sowing, just keep sowing, just keep writing, just keep casting. I feel like now's the time I should start saying, just keep swimming, swimming, swimming. <laughs> I don't even know if you know that movie. You're, you're young. I said Mario Andretti to a 20 year old the other day. They're like, who's that? I'm like, oh, it's happened. I'm old. It's happened. It has totally just happened. I'll tell you what, the day I turned 30, I couldn't find for like three months. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, but more refined and more like Jesus. Come on, somebody. <laughs> okay, final thoughts. I think I would just like, um, I don't mean to be a dead horse here. Is that the saying? Um, but just to, re- just to take the pressure off. I don't know. I'm really not sure where the pressure comes from. Um, you know, it's funny. I feel like people carry this thing that they're so scared that they're going to get found out or that people are going to figure out that they have no idea what they're doing or that they're a phony or they're fake. Right. I've got this for you. Nobody knows what they're doing. We're all out here just winging it, trying to figure it out. Like, what would happen if we just, like, if I, can we get real on this podcast? Yeah myself like hey my name's david i'm a writer i'm a musician i'm a producer mm-hmm. and i have no idea what i'm doing like i'm just winging it um i lost my dad a year and a half ago mm-hmm. i'm constantly worried about how my family's doing i never feel like i'm doing enough mm-hmm. i feel like a fake all the time Showing up to do my thing. And if you feel like you're a fake, just keep showing up. Like, I'll keep showing up. Like, 
Yeah. And so I would just encourage you, just stop it. Take the pressure off. I love it. What a way to close. I love it. Just stop it. Take the pressure off. And what you said about nobody knows what they're doing. You know, if you're an Enneagram three, it'd be really tough for you. Really tough for you because like what you were saying, like, I think that's going to hit a lot of people, what you said about you get afraid that you'll get found out that maybe people will see that you're not as awesome as maybe you tried to make people believe that you were, you know, but that's just a lie. It's just a lie from the enemy to keep us out of that identity that God's called us into. Um, I think that's a good note to close on. Right. You guys, right, right, right. You've been called into the kingdom for such a time as this, for such a time as this. And God has called you to this hour. He's graced you for this moment. And you have everything inside of you to do what God's called you to do. So may you be free in Jesus' name to walk in it. Thanks, guys. We love you. Thanks for being with us today, David. Thanks for listening to today's episode. We hope you felt encouraged and a little more equipped for the journey you're on this season. If you're interested in weekly mentorship in a small group setting or would like to find more worship resources, check it all out at worshipleaderscollective.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Connect, encourage, and equip. This is what we're all about at Wilco. We go together, not alone. Together, we can help move church forward.